Welcome, everyone, to the 27th edition of the Metabilis 2 podcast, featuring David and Ben. Hey. <laughs> so we, we, yeah, we, we, we did cyber stuff last week. We sure did. <laughs> we did all the, all the new Who cyber stuff, including, including a special <laughs> treat for all you Torchwood fans. Because um, we talked about the cyber lady, yeah. sexy, sexy cyber lady. Um, but we're going to reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. Excellent. Um, this week, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> and we're going to, instead of going backwards through the classic era, we're going to go forwards through the cyber stories mm-hmm. of the classic era. I.e., uh, we're going to start with the tenth planet, Mondas. Mondas, the tenth planet, and Antarctica. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I find to be pretty impressively realized, actually. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, um, pretty yeah, good it's, production it's... values on it, and the Cybermen look pretty good coming through the snow. Oh, they look fantastic! Absolutely. I mean, I think every, I think all right-thinking who, whoas, as I like to call us, think that the that those those are one of the best cyber designs mm-hmm. ever. And those were uh, done by Sandra Reed. Yep. And she, I think, was going full on for the uh, kind of medical concepts, bandages, mummies. Yeah, she yep. took the whole idea that uh, Kit Pedler and Jerry Davis came up with. And uh, went with it. Yeah, and and I did an extremely good job. I mean, they are really creepy. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, they have those blank eyes. Mm-hmm. They have those weird sing-song voices. Well, right, and the voices, they just open up their mouths and out comes yeah. this, hello there, type thing. Hello there, I am a Cyberman. And interestingly enough, the voices of the Cybermen are the same voices as the uh, Daleks. We got uh, Roy Skelton yeah, and yeah. Peter Hawkins. Is it is, is it Roy Skelton or is it just Peter Hawkins? Have I got myself? Wrong? No, it's both. It was it's both. both. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. Bungle from um, Bungle and Zippy from Rainbow, <laughs> of course, as, as Americans now all know, <laughs> all American fans of a certain depth um, are now all aware of the primacy of Rainbow as a kids' TV program in the seventies uh, and eighties. Mm-hmm. And these Cybermen had names. Crying. Yeah. And other names similarly scary. <laughs> Yeah, no, Cyber Leader, it is Cyber Leader Krang, right? Oh, uh, I mean, my memory is escaping me right here, but uh, yeah. yeah, let's go with it. Yeah, Cyber Leader Krang. Um, the Tenth Planet, very, very heavily experienced for me through the excellent novelization, which I think is a Terrence Dix one again. Nope, yeah, this and one think... is Jerry Davis. Tenth Planet is oh, Jerry, is Jerry da- Davis. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, again, he did a really good yeah, job, and I think all the cybers get scary cyber names. Mm-hmm. And um, and why shouldn't they have names? I mean, they used to be human. Mm-hmm. Um, humans have names, you know, rather than uh, I don't know weird logic names. Um, <laughs> cyber leader, cyber controller, <laughs> exactly. Cyber planner, <laughs> cyber <laughs> chief <it>? administrator. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's an excessively nerdy new adventure. I think maybe it's a new adventure. Spoiler alert: <laughs> where Tobias Vaughn turns up again, mm. which of course I can't remember its name. And I think whoever, which whichever who nerd wrote that book, um, all the Cybermen have names based on logical concepts. Okay. So it's, I mean, I I don't actually know any kind of logic notation, but they're all kind of called of like backslash, forward slash, um, <laughs> URLs, <laughs> URLs, something, something, something. Which is pretty daft. That's actually that's more daft than being called Krang, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, <laughs> Kodos. Um, yeah, they're, they're, 
they're great. Um, the, the, they wear those goofy cloaks mm-hmm. when they're in outside in the in the Antarctic wind. Mm-hmm. Um, they have human hands, which apparently was a cost saving measure. But well, it was a, it was an oversight. Sander Reed, super creepy. Yeah, Sander Reed had planned on doing um, gloves for them, right? But she it escaped and it um, missed uh, production planning meetings. And when the costumes arrived, they wound up spraying the actors' hands silver. And they look really amazing. They look a lot better than the cricketing gloves. Oh, you think so? Um, that the Doctor Who monsters have been known to wear mm-hmm. as their hands oh, okay. in other episodes. I, I think they look great. I mean, I think the human hands add a really good kind of creepy touch mm-hmm. to the cyber creatures. Um, yeah, and they have those awesome, the, those kind of detachable kind of light things on their chest units that they use as ray guns. Mm-hmm. And they've got those big things on their heads, which are also awesome. Headlamps. Headlamps. It seems to me uh, certainly the headlamps on the head were a lot to do with the fact of how dark Antarctica was. It was kind of the a- Antarctic night, you know, and the mm. idea that they would have a, have have headlamps. And of course, you know, the, the the handles and the headlamps have persisted in every re reimagination of the cyber costume. Yeah, they're very iconic. They are iconic. No teardrops yet. The teardrops, I think, are a, are a later innovation. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the Cybermen are looking boss. Obviously, they start out Cybermen as they mean to continue with a plan, and actually, basically, an existence that makes no makes no sense whatsoever. But that's Cybermen, um, and that's how we come to enjoy them going forward into the future. Uh, again, I, I I can't speak for uh, my knowledge. Well, I have no knowledge of kind of how the how the solar system functions, um, but I'm pretty sure there isn't a Earth doesn't have a twin planet called Mondas, and even if it did, it wouldn't be able to move around through the solar system, and it certainly wouldn't be able to suck something from the other, from our Earth, in order to repower itself. None of it makes any sense, right? Well, the whole planet Mondas doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, no. <laughs> that, that's kind of the weak part of the story. The body horror oh, yeah. you know, of the Cybermen is is pretty good with the tubes and whatnot the carrying liquids and just yeah you can see that these beings were humanoid at one point and that they're they have the big hang-up of emotions and that is established pretty early on yeah pretty early on for the for the cybermen no i mean i think it's it's interesting i mean i think it's really was really smart of rtd to shift the Cybermen to an alternative dimension, because that's essentially what Mondas mm-hmm. is. It's an alternative dimension of some kind, mm-hmm. um, because obviously if the Cybermen are going to be men mm-hmm. who have been cyberized, then they need to have been men originally, right. or humans, mm-hmm. in which case they must have come from from Earth. So, like, how do you make that function? Mm-hmm. I think in a more sophisticated sci-fi atmosphere, it's from a, an alternate dimension. Mm-hmm. In a less sophisticated sci-fi setting, it's from a tenth planet right. that's wandering around the solar system in a kind of which is space upside down Earth without any clouds. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, in a sort of space nineteen ninety nine fashion, mm-hmm. where kind of planets and moons sort of whiz around the solar system of their own accord with no kind of no wonder they haven't got any power if they're kind of you know propelling their planet around (laughs) silly cybermen (laughs) the story i think had some really good strong performances from oh great performances yeah the the actor played uh, general cutler i think did a really good job uh excellent robert uh robert beatty Beatty. yep yeah, and then who's who, who's an American who is who is an American in a lot of British things of that time. I think he's pro- probably Canadian. 
And then you have a, a very famous actor uh, playing Williams, Earl Cameron. And yep. his <laughs> space costume was uh, then used later in Star Wars by one of the bounty hunters. <laughs> oh, was it? Really? Yeah. That bounty hunter that's kind of wearing a space suit and has like a, mm-hmm. a head that's like a... That's like something from Star Trek. It's like a like a ghoul. Yeah, or a yeah. That is that, that's uh, Earl Cameron or astronaut Williams' uh, spacesuit. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. How, how extraordinary! <laughs> Excellent. Empire Strikes Back. Very, very, very cool bit of trivia there. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, no, the acting is amazing, and the characterization is good. Mm-hmm. And you know, crazy American general. You know, it's all a bit kind of Doctor Strange love. Right. Uh, roughly, when was Doctor Strange Love released, actually? Was that 66? Hmm. Yeah. Well, that was 1964. Okay. So, um, I think, obviously, Jerry Davis, like everyone else, had been to the movies and seen Doctor Strange Love and thought, okay, crazy American generals. Um, <laughs> uh, Z-bombs, or Z-bombs, even. Let's do a Doctor Who version of Doctor Strange Love. Yeah, no, Tenth Planet, very good. Um, obviously, you know, it's possibly also well-known for being when the, uh, when the Doctor... Um, regenerates, Mm -hmm. but that's not really the subject that we're talking about. And Hartnell really wasn't a key player in this serial at all. I mean, he does have a good good scene with Cyber... Cyber Crail, I think it is, where when he's oh, Crail, that's when, it. yeah, yeah, when he's uh, asking about it, do you have do you have not any emotions or don't you have any emotions? And Crail goes, you know, emotions are a weakness or you know that that whole like emotions are a weakness iconic yes, six, iconic scene. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, it's very much Ben and Polly's deal, mm-hmm. which is not a problem because Ben and Polly are kind of awesome yep. and they managed to kind of you know run rings around the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. And the kind of you know doltish in international cast of scientists mm-hmm. and military people, which is um, very Skycap One or whatever it's called, Snowcap mm-hmm. One, which is again repeated in the following story. They basically just do a remake of the Tenth Planet on the Moon Base with stick it on the Moon, Patrick yep. Troughton. Yep, and we have same international cast this time. Instead of a, a space exploration type program, we are dealing with uh, controlling the weather. Yeah, and so we're on the moon now with Benoit and all the um, all the other international people on the moon. Got another general, or got another general or commander. Yep. Was I think Hobson, right? Commander Hobson. Yeah, I think he is Hobson. Yep, 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 Mister Hobson. And uh, this is one of the missing episodes. Of course, uh, Tenth Planet Four is also missing, but the episode one and three are missing from the moon base. The visuals, and I really wish we would have. Uh, the moon base episode one with uh, the see the TARDIS crew trouncing upon the moon with the Kirby wires and see. yeah because those those spacesuits are absolutely awesome mm-hmm. that they wear yeah very stylized and the artist Daryl Joyce also did a really nice uh, image he of did. the moon base yes. that is just I think exquisite yeah yeah no his his Daryl Joyce's visualizations of classic who is kind of, you know, big budget movies, mm-hmm. um, but using all the right props and costumes is uh, uh, very, very enjoyable. Yeah. Of course, you know, I've really only recently experienced the moon base as a, as a televisual experience. Uh, again, my prime experience of the moon base was in the Jerry Davis novelization, which again, very, very tense read. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly to my young self was a very exciting exploration of what it would be like to try and defeat Cybermen on the moon. Right. The Cybermen are tricky. They have a plan. Um, again, to my... Using a virus. Young... This is, I think, the first time that they use a virus or some kind of disease to uh, yep. sabotage a human base. 
Yeah. And again, to my young self, you know, it was very, very clever and sneaky to put the put the virus in people in the sugar because <laughs> everyone's taking sugar in their tea. Of course, I, use, I love, love, everyone loves sugary tea. <laughs> and of course, the virus would have spread like wildfire mm-hmm. if that had been the way of disseminating the virus. And then, of course, Polly, incredibly plucky as she is. Mm-hmm devises a plan to defeat the Cybermen by chucking nail polish remover at them. Poly cocktail. The poly cocktail. So, you know, take that, <laughs> people who think that Doctor Who isn't empowering young women. Well, you know, Polly has gotten... <laughs> she did get some decent stories, and it's still kind she of... She some good stories, yeah. It's still sexist at the, um, of uh, the mid-60s here, but she did have an excellent story if we want to just, you know, take a sidebar here with the Highlanders. Let's take a sidebar. Thinking that possibly the... Tenth Planet is um, is taking some of its uh, plot from Doctor Strangelove. If we think about the mm-hmm. Highlanders, of course, in 1963, a very, very famous film remo- released in Britain uh, called mm-hmm. Culloden, which was basically a, a, a docudrama about the Battle mm-hmm. of Culloden. So I think at this time, as, as, as actually has all the way through Doctor Who, it's very much taking from what is currently happening in mm-hmm. the cinema. And the Highlanders really focuses in on Annika Will's portrayal of Polly and she has an excellent story there I think she does alright in the smugglers yep she comes out okay here with the moon base so she I think is an undersung companion of the doctor and I think it's largely due to the fact that we are missing the visuals for so much her, her and yeah. uh time because just with the soundtrack all you really ever do here is the is the screening when mm-hmm. actually um, she's pretty empowered and she you know she's the doctor's assistant in this and they're trying to work through the experiments yep. for what's causing the virus so I you know she does okay here yep. it's not a perfectly empowering female role but it is certainly not as bad as it could have been yeah she's not just a london dolly bird i think she's i think she's got some stuff going on yeah, she's one of my favorite uh, companions yes and annika annika wills is still on the convention circuit mm-hmm. and is still doing awesome doctor who things and she's obviously a super eccentric um, <laughs> old <laughs> old lady now but but why the mm-hmm. hell shouldn't she be so that's good and of course we have the amazing you know the amazing classic fountain speech about things that are evil have to be fought mm. blah 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 good stuff right mm-hmm. you know obviously like 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 very mm-hmm. many cyber stories it's um well okay how were they defeated they're defeated which through is gravity very bizarre which is uh-huh. okay gravity is a thing well, it is then. a thing but there's um, gravity <laughs> it is a thing yeah, but there's gravity. There's a lot of gravity about, and if the Cybermen have a problem with gravity, then in general they've got a problem mm-hmm. with the you know with physics, which is gonna uh, it's gonna be, continue mm-hmm. to be a problem with them for basically their entire existence. Um, however, you know how they're actually defeated by you know pointing the gravitron at the um, at the surface of the moon and I guess making gravity lighter or something. And then floating them off into space. Actually, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. super. And I like that. So it's nonsense, scientifically. But then again, as I was saying... It's about um, as nonsense as a gold affecting the respiratory system. So the Cybermen seem to attract nonsense. They do attract nonsense. And I'm wondering whether, you know... And I think as we talked about last time, the Cybermen are, some, are, are possibly from some weird <laughs> alternative dimension... There is also a possibility that all their different costumes means that they, these are all different cyber races, potentially, potentially from different planets. But again, you know, as, as, uh, I'm kind of freeforming a bit here, but one can imagine a, a, a possible instance whereby 
uh, you know, if Cybermen are from some other weird dimension, you know, maybe from, you know, a land of fiction mm. style dimension, maybe they do attract Potentially. Nonsense. Potentially, yeah. Um, I, I was very excited. I can't remember whether, I, whether I, I mentioned this last week or not, but I'm very excited to read that there's a recent big finish, which I'm going to try and get hold of, um, where the Cybermen do actually invade <laughs> the land of fiction. And, and have to be defeated using fictional means. Which doctor are they putting with that? It's uh, it's one of the <laughs> companion chronicle things. So it's it's a uh, it's um uh, the traditional trout okay. team that works. Um, oh no no no! I'm, I, I beg your pardon. It's not. No, it's not. It's um Colin. Oh, that'd be perfect. Legend of the Cybermen. Six Doctor Jamie McPrimmon and Zoe Harriet. Should be a good one. Yeah, that's definitely one to try and get hold of. Actually, mm-hmm. I, I might see if I can grab that. You one. know, speaking of Jamie, I think. Uh... Well, it was probably most likely Jerry Davis, but it uh, came up with a pretty good way of keeping Jamie occupied, knocking him on the head, but then the whole Phantom Piper being a, Phantom being Piper. a Cyberman. Yeah. That worked pretty yeah. well. Oh, the Phantom Piper of Clan McClimmon. <laughs> oh, I the new. Yeah, it's brilliant. So, yeah. And, uh, and like we mentioned earlier, the poly cocktail makes a lot of sense that you have like a acetate or some kind of uh, solvent uh mm. destroy the cybermen respiratory system and yeah. you know like we said they do attract some nonsense this these cybermen but there is some logical uh bits to it uh you know Excellent. on the periphery yeah yeah though they are for, for for such mighty creatures they are slightly precious snowflakes <laughs> in, in the way that the small the smallest thing like gravity or nail polish remover or gold causes them such great distress well i think that makes sense because there really isn't uh i mean if you look at them as you know just scavengers or just trying to stay alive unlike what we will survive unlike the kind of new who cybermen of the cybus cybermen era where it's a complete replacement of a suit it the the cybermen of uh mondas are more organic and right they're upgraded just to replace things that no longer work that they had to do to survive. So they're more, uh, yeah, they're more delicate. They're more uh, hodgepodge thrown together. Makes a lot of sense. You know, if they are more medical Mm -hmm. than anything else, then I think it makes a lot of sense that, that, you know, that the weird kind of small things like um, acetone nail polish would hurt Mm -hmm. them, you know, because they are trying to cobble themselves together from um, spare parts. Spare spare parts. Spare parts surgery. (laughs) Yeah, talking in big finish. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> Cyberly de Krang says. So yeah, that gets. It's, again, that's another. That's another four Krangs out of five <laughs> for the moon base. And um, next, of course, is the old the old wheel in nope. space. Oh no, isn't tomb it? Tomb of the Cybermen. Oh, it is tomb. Oh <laughs> well, what do we think about tomb of the Cybermen? Well, I enjoy the story. <laughs> It was rediscovered in 91, and... It was. I remember that moment very, I think very I saw it very shortly after it. I saw I saw a listing of it in a catalog coming from KTCA Channel 2, so it must have been like a PBS catalog, mail-order catalog right. at the time, and it said, whoa, I got to check this out. So at the time, I bought a copy of Shada on VHS and the Tomb of the Cybermen, and... Oh, this was actually the first Patrick Troughton story that I really liked. Because up until that point, it had been the Crotons, it's been the Dominators, and I think I missed the Seeds of Death, and the War Games was overly long for me. So this was... Yeah, 
all three of them very long stories. Well, apart from Crotons, right. just. Crotal just just appears to be long. <laughs> so I really like the tomb. Now, it has gotten quite a few um, critical knocks. Uh, people find it quite boring and uh, racist. So I I don't know. I think it has a lot of charm, and I like the idea. And it, it you know makes no sense at all the cyber plan why they have this tomb <laughs> and they're trying to attract. Uh, a very logical people to let them out. Yeah, very logical people. Logical people to yeah, let them it just, out. Yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I mean, again, you know, it's it's got a nice. It's got you know, it's taken it's taken hammer things mm-hmm. again, and it's also riffing on. Yeah, the whole, it's a it's a mummy. Um, yeah, Tutan, Yeah, they're mummies, and it's riffing on the whole. Uh, you know, had a, a, a hammer horror. Um, Curse of the Mummy mm-hmm. as well. It's it it could be a lot more racist <laughs> given its time. So uh, I guess that's damning with faint praise. But still, I, you know they were able to hold back their racism as much mm-hmm. as possible. Uh, and actually, you know, I mean, I think Toberman, you know, is obviously a, a, an awful racial stereotype. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, he is. It is kind of redemptive in the end. He gives his life to save everybody. He's, he's half converted. Mm-hmm. Anyway, whatever. I mean, you know, it's the 60s. Well, but also it's Kafton and Klieg that are, you know, stereotypical. Okay, uh, there we go. I guess maybe it's more anti-Semitic than it is racist. Um, I always thought they were, they were they were maybe more Jewish, which that that could makes that could worse. definitely be the yeah. I'm, I mean, I mean, they're they're pretty great villains, mm-hmm. and I love the idea of the Brotherhood of log- Logicians, right. and they're they're a really cool, creepy couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they obviously have affection for each other in their kind of creepy, logical mm-hmm. way. I can't imagine what goes on in the bedroom <laughs> between Kaftan and Klee. Um Well, I can, and it's not, not pleasant. Not for this podcast. Um, <laughs> not for this podcast, exactly. I think they're great mm-hmm. villains, and um, whatever he's called, who who pays Klee? It's George uh, Pastel. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. brilliant, and and also Kaftan Shirley is also. Very, very convincing. Mm-hmm. I, I think the international crew of Americans, um, uh, At, again. Uh, George uh, Rubisek, who plays Captain Hopper. <laughs> yeah, they're great. They're kind I of really flash, like. They're kind of Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers mm-hmm. style American spaceship flying people. I really like the interplay between Hopper and uh, Victoria. <laughs> yeah. Well, this um, one has the amazing, just kind of, it's almost a filler scene, but of the doctor remembering his family with Victoria and how he only chooses to remember his family when he wants to. And yeah, yeah. Just guessing from that, I'm guessing that it was um, written by the script editor, uh, Victor Pemberton, rather than uh, Kit Pedler and Jerry Davis, because my guess would be that the scripts are running short. And so this was brought right. in, but it's a really, really nice scene. And it's one that's often, taken out uh, as a clip for Patrick Troughton showing off his character. His character acting skills, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and this also is our, our first uh, episode of a cyber controller with Michael Kilgariff. Oh, yeah, of course. Who's not as tubby as he is when he, when he appears he's in He's very future. spelt as a or, cyber or, leader. Or, or is it the past? <laughs> um, he, he's great. Yeah, cyber controller's awesome. Uh, it kind of makes sense in the same way as I think we were talking about last week, how I feel that, you know, Borgs having a queen mm-hmm. didn't really work that much well for me. I think Cybermen having a kind of, you know, a, a leader, mm-hmm. a controller works very, very nicely. Right. Um, I think it's lovely. And I think it works mm-hmm. really well to my mind. Um, I think we also have the um, Cybermats appear mm-hmm. for the first time. 
I think overall it works really well as a mummy story. It doesn't work very well if you're trying to say, well, these are the Cybermen and they are really logical and they make a lot of sense and they're very cunning because their plan of the tomb is very crap and it doesn't make sense. You know, it's typical, typical, yeah. typical Cybermen. But if you're looking for something that's very atmospheric, very atmospheric, uh, good use of production it's you know it's let down in some places where you can see like the kirby wires where the cyber leaguer um throws toberman yeah but you wouldn't have seen that i really don't think you would have seen that in a small tv set black and white tv set in the 1960s absolutely no i mean it's almost a disservice with the new dvds you know with the the quality that we we see all the production uh magic yeah i mean it was hard to see the kirby wires on the vhs Mm -hmm. copy in 91 Mm -hmm. to be honest I'll have to mention the cyber logo that I think turns up in the... Oh, beautiful piece of artwork. Yeah, fantastic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously Cybermen keep on creating logos for themselves Mm -hmm. in a very creative and possibly Mm non-logical way. But, yeah, no, I mean, they have have a great graphic sensibility, the Cybermen. They're always very... But, I mean, they're very fashionable. Um, You know, they update their costumes um, for the 80s. (laughs) Um, You know, they're... They're excellent. They're mm-hmm. excellent. Um, I'm going to have to read out this this piece of doctor business because it's just so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Klieg. Yes, yes, I can see that. But how do you know it in the first place? The doctor. Oh, I use my own special technique. Eric Klieg. Oh, really, doctor? And may we know what that is? The doctor. Keeping my eyes open and my mouth shut. Uh, excellent. Which is such. <laughs> it's a, that is Troughton's doctor, 100%. Mm-hmm. That is how he played mm-hmm. the part. He's always aware, always looking around, <laughs> and always keeping his own counsel, and that's why it's such an he's such a great character. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a I think it's a special story, and it's it is definitely. I think if anything, it's probably gone down in fan appreciation just because we have it, and familiarity breeds contempt, and we have seen the racist and anti-Semitic things for for ourselves, and. It's hard to put our modern sensibilities on classic Doctor Who sometimes. It doesn't it doesn't age well. No, but I mean I think I mean like all Doctor Who um from from whatever age really, you know, requires a, a good dollop of willing suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. and a good dollop of realizing from what era mm-hmm. of fiction and television it came mm-hmm. from. And I think, you know, if you're if you're mature enough in your dramatic sensibilities to to realize those things it's a really great piece of storytelling you've got some wonderful atmospheric motion uh, moments and the cybermen are great in it you know um and and again you know we, we criticize them for having wacky plans but you know in some ways it, as i think i was trying to say earlier on it makes them in some ways kind of more effective aliens you know i mean who knows what their thought processes mm. are i mean mm-hmm. that you know maybe their their logic has developed to such a hugely advanced extent that it's kind of, you know, circled back on mm-hmm. itself and they're kind of apparently kind of illogical plans are actually an expression of a completely higher form of logic of which we have no conception mm-hmm. as humans. You mentioned earlier that the cyber logo that's on the door and throughout the uh, tomb of the Cybermen. And the designer for this was a one-off. It was a man named Martin Johnson. And I think this was the only Doctor Who that he designed. And I'm wondering really? I'm wondering if this was his design or if this was one of, you know, someone on staff. But I'm I'm assuming with those tight budgets that Doctor Who had that 
Um, this is a Martin Johnson design. and Interesting. It'd be interesting to find out what happened to him. And sadly, I mean, obviously they had to come up with you know, some kind of graphic mm-hmm. identity for the Cybermen because, you know, if we're thinking about the tomb of Tutankhamun mm-hmm. and Egyptology, you know, that there has to be kind of graphic, um, graphic mm-hmm. element. Um, I've often, uh, what's the word? I'm sure someone's done it. But I'd love to do some kind of, you know, analysis, not analysis, but just some kind of, I guess it would be some kind of stupid blog or website about monsters' logos <laughs> in Doctor Who. Because some of the monsters have the, just have the best logos, um, and uh, I'd love to be able to kind of extract them and kind of, you know, look at, look how they all fit together. I mean, I was watching the, uh, I'm completely sidebar and I was watching the Silurians the other mm-hmm. day and they have a logo. It's really, really hard to pick up, but on the doors to their underground base in Wenley Moor, they have, they have a big logo on that door, which, um, I, I kind of boosted on the, um, on the computer and, and took a good look at. But yeah, anyway, no, logos, Doctor logo, monster mm. logos, I think is our un, an unexamined part of Doctor Who lore. I'm, I'm a big fan of the of the Sontarans logo in in the Sontaran experiment, which is another excellent mm-hmm. logo. But anyway, carry on. Sorry, yes. I'm, so I'm uh, Doctor Who monsters have really good graphic design. They do. They do. Congratulations, <laughs> to Doctor Who monsters and their graphic designer pals. <laughs> <laughs> They're minions. Graphic designing minions, exactly. I know. I was watching the other night. Well, actually, when I say the other night, um, now we're going completely off topic. I was um uh I picked up a copy of um the really very long and sort of okay war movie from 1977 um mm-hmm. called uh, A Bridge Too Far um oh, yes. which has like everyone in it like Anthony Hopkins and Robert mm-hmm. Redford and Sean Connery mm-hmm. and it's directed by Richard Attenborough but for like 3 seconds it has Eric Chitty in it as well <laughs> from out of the deadly assassin um who's an organist in in a in a in a church mm-hmm. and i was like my god i'm probably one of the only people who's watched this dvd who said that's eric chitty from out of doctor who and then and then he's gone but anyway that's <laughs> what's it's so fun watching those kind of 60s and 70s movies because there's always mm-hmm. doctor who people turn up in it and it's always mm-hmm. fun it's always fun to watch them so one of the things I think really helps sell or uh, sell this is the soundtrack, and especially oh, yes. using, and it's the same music that they used um, earlier in uh, the Tenth Planet, but the Space Adventures that yeah. march that they're using. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Martin Slaven. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, I have. The, I have that on CD, mm-hmm. and it's when it when it pops up on my um on my iPod, I'm always very happy to hear it. It's excellent. Yeah, so the, so this a lot of iconic stock music was used in to associate with the Cybermen, and then when it it seems almost out of place, or it definitely seems out of place when they use it later, like in the Web of Fear, for the Yeti attack. Right, it becomes really attached, at least in my mind, to the Cybermen, and it's uh, it's a really nice clip or a nice identifier for the Cybermen. Yeah, and it has a great kind of, you know, mechanical feel to it, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the, the kettle drums or something. Yeah, like that, I'm, that I'm sort of sorry that they never, that they didn't kind of bring that, that kind of beat back for the new Cybermen and the new series, because I mean, you know, was, they're very careful to bring back the you know, the Dalek um, control room blob blob mm-hmm. sound. But anyway, yeah, no, it's great. Great. It's it's a it's a very, it's a lovely, it's, it's, as I said, it's a great soundtrack, soundtrack album to have. I'm very pleased to own it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And then next we have The Wheel. Of course, The Wheel, The Wheel in Space. Not a story I know very well. Um, mm, okay. I've obviously, I've watched the, uh, the missing episodes and mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of skidded through the soundtrack mm-hmm. uh, without paying a huge amount of attention, I'm afraid. The novelization arrived very, very late in the day. I think it was one of the, actually one of the last novelizations that, um, that was produced. Right, and it's in scarce supply because either they didn't print enough, or it was just copies were destroyed in a fire. I can't remember. Yeah, why. there was something weird that happened with it. Mm-hmm. And this one is a Terrence Dix novel. Is it, it is. So. Yeah. Um, of course, I own a copy of the novelization because I own a copy of all the novelizations. <laughs> um, but completist. Uh, I am a completist, but I didn't read it, paying a huge amount of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's 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 it's. It's Doctor Who. It's got Cybermen in it. Um, it's the first appearance of Zoe, who everyone loves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good stuff. Well, the thing I really like it is not necessarily the Cybermen part of it, but I really like the two-hander in the first episode with uh, Fraser Hines and Patrick Troughton on the silver uh, beacon or silver. I can't remember what, in, on on the space. Oh, the silver the was rocket. called the silver streak or something. Yeah. Silver Carrier. The silver Carrier, that's it. Yeah, with the Servo yeah. Robot and all that malarkey. Right, and I really like really like that. I like, uh, again, the sound design, the Radiophonic Workshop uh, sound design of the the cyber, cyber mats penetrating the skin of the wheel. Mm-hmm. And I th- think the outer space uh, sounds, soundscape that they do is a really, um, really good impression for... The Cybermen. I think the whole idea of uh... mm. oh, I think <laughs> the whole idea. Sorry, I think the whole idea that they are using kind of a Trojan plan again to get inside the spaceship. That they, the Cybermen never do anything front on, and you wonder why that is. But if you, if if they are so vulnerable as they've proven like in the moon base they're super cautious that maybe they have to use subterfuge to gain access to the systems that they need to do that's a good point i mean yeah that very well may, may be the case or again i mean i'm going to repeat my theory from 5 mm-hmm. minutes ago is i i my belief is that, again you know they are their logic is so advanced of human logic that 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 <laughs> Their plans appear to be illogical because their their, their logic is beyond mm-hmm. our our conception of what logic is. I mean, that's my that's my theory. I'm sticking <laughs> to it. Um, Donald Sumter is in this, who I'm a big fan of. Hmm. Um, Donald Sumter also then was the uh, the awesome Commander Ridgeway in the Sea Devils, mm-hmm. and uh, had was a great character in um, Game of Thrones, the the Meister at uh, I was going to say Rivendell. Whatever the place where the good guys live in, Game of Thrones is called. Come on, it's called there. Um, and also, that also became the president of the Time Lords in Hellbent. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a lovely actor who I'm always very happy to, happy to see when he turns up in movies of the sixties, seventies, and eighties. And we were discussing, I think, last week um, pre-show with uh, the article in Doctor Who magazine five hundred four by uh, Gavin Rymill, where he uncovered. Oh. Yes. Uh, cyber design Previously that unknown. Yes. only appeared in Wheel episode six, was it? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, in one episode of Wheel, there's a previously unknown Cyberman mm-hmm. turn, turns up, which is 
you know, levels of Doctor Who nerdery that bring just joy to my to my <laughs> to my mind. It's mm-hmm. yes, that's exactly what we should be spending our time doing. Um, is ruthlessly analysing still photography from a TV series of about forty years ago to discover a previously unknown costume design. Brilliant stuff. Loved it. And that was a great article. And that's just what Doctor Who magazine. In my opinion, should be uh, should be should be should be publishing mm-hmm. original Excellent. research on the programs. Excellent mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, we have the invasion next. Yes, invasion is the is the, and actually, I mean, having spent a little bit of time now, both during this podcast and also doing a little bit bit of background, well, cursory background research today, um, <laughs> you can see why the Cybermen were so popular in the Troughton era. Um, I mean, I think this is a solid, very solid run of stories. Mm-hmm. Very, I mean, strong, strong performances from the regulars, um, strong villainy from the villains, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of action in the plots. Um, I'm, yeah, it's, this, is all, this is all good stuff. Um, and culminating with the invasion, which, you know, is, 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 is certainly in my top 20. This is my son's, um, this and the two doctors, I think, are his top two stories. Oh, okay. And while I'm not a big fan of the two doctors, I have a lot of time for the invasion. I was very, very happy to see the animation yes. when that appeared. Yeah. And it it's... really, really made this, the program watchable for me. Up until then, I had just really enjoyed it more as an audio, as on the soundtrack. Yeah, it's a, a great use of the animation medium, mm-hmm. um, and I think is is again makes me all the more irritated that they didn't bother to animate the single episode of um of web fear that's that's missing but you mm-hmm. know there you go right. um yeah but no invasion is great it's just amazing villainy tobias von kevin stoney kevin stoney is just top doctor who villain mm-hmm. um just can't believe how awesome he is plus the other thing that makes me love him is that in his old age form um, as interviewed on the on the DVD, he looks just like my great uncle, um, <laughs> who sadly is no longer with us, but was a very nice man who I had mm-hmm. a lot of affection for. But anyway, um, he, and 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 his sidekick Packer. Oh who, yeah, Peter Halliday, who he berates at length. Packer. 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 <laughs> well, the interesting thing about Peter Halliday is he was also playing the voices for the Cybermen. <laughs> he got he got paid he got paid in several. Um, <laughs> His, his guineas <laughs> for the abuse he took from <laughs> Kevin <off>. Stoney. <laughs> no, it's excellent, and there's some really creepy stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Kevin Stoney is being turned into a Cyberman. I think mm-hmm. people are, are faced with the prospect of being cyberized, and mm-hmm. you know, sort of will you know, sort of given the choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 scary. There's a you know, swinging London is there with with bells on. The um, debut of Unit. The debut of Unit, I mean, let's do another contemporary film reference. Um, I'm pretty certain that Derek Sherwin, the the writer of The Invasion, I'm pretty sure he would have gone to see um, Antonini's Blow Up, um, which, of course, centers around a swinging London photographer. (laughs) <laughs> um, and is one of you know one of the key movies of swinging the swinging sixties, and of course you know who is who is one of the main characters in the invasion. It is a swinging sixties swinging London photographer. So Sally Faulkner, yeah. p- playing Isabel Watkins. Isabel Watkins, exactly. So again, you know, we get another great contemporary movie reference coming straight into Who. Um, Unit, uh, brilliant. Um, I think their uniforms. Uh, I was very pleased when Unit switched to wearing regular army uniforms. Mm-hmm. I think they're. 
I think the, the chains from the Brigadier's very, very elegant uh, Highland Regiment uniform from mm-hmm. Web of Fear, the switch to these kind of like weird sort of pajamas that they wear <laughs> for the invasion and also for um, the first uh, the first Pertwee season were, in, were a mistake. Mm-hmm. However, what wasn't a mistake is that um, their base unit space is inside a Hercules C-130 mm-hmm. airplane, which is just awesome. Uh, so, and yeah, and, it's, and it's unit is very competent here, as oh, they were with competent. that first season of Pertwee. So maybe their competency is linked to their pajama uniforms that it, they were wearing. They're very, very international rescue um, in this episode. <laughs> um, they very much remind me of something... From the uh, from the fa- from the Anderson Anderson verse, mm-hmm. their base is inside a cool aeroplane. They've got weird pajama <laughs> uniforms. Um, they're very mm-hmm. good at everything that they do. Right. So yeah, you know, um, this is I think of the five Cybermen stories in the '60s. This is the this is the peak. They don't get any better than the invasion. Yeah, yeah, and I think also, I mean, having you know, obviously in the past three four cyber episodes we've been discussing we've been lauding the costume design and saying mm-hmm. how effective it was because you know the cybermen are kind of delicate mm-hmm. um look like they might break easily you know which is entirely keeping with this idea that they're kind of spare parts creatures this vision completely blows that out of the water and here Absolutely. we see cybermen that are a lot more akin to rtd's men of steel mm-hmm. and these are kind of brutish in the even down to the lace-up boots mm-hmm. you know these are these are these are boot boys um mm-hmm. skinhead just you know hard as nails um soldiers mm-hmm. worthy opponents to unit mm-hmm. well this is where we start seeing uh, kind of the earmuff look on the cyber helmet too isn't it yeah yeah, which is again a beautiful piece of design, and, I, and it's, it's, it's no, this isn't the first appearance of the te- first appearance of the teardrop, which I think first turns up in Wheel of Wheel, Space, right? Um, but it's again very, very effective. I mean, I mm-hmm. guess I've always assumed the teardrop was actually eye holes for uh, for the um, actors to peer out of, so it has a practical purpose. But it really, it's the the blankness of their face in the invasion. I don't think has ever been bettered mm-hmm. in terms of their creepiness. And what does let it down for me, though, I'll have to say, is I don't care for the cyber controller. Hmm. That it's not an actual being. It's more of a... Oh, more of a it, squawky box that lives behind a sliding wall. Yeah. Well, hmm. that, That's just me. That's just hmm. me. I mean, I can certainly, certainly understand that, you know, a cyber controller maybe makes more sense if it's kind of a quasi-computer thing. Mm-hmm. But still... You want it to be organic in nature. I want it to be more organic, less of a squawky box that lives behind a, a mm-hmm. partition in someone's office. But, you know, who am I to criticize the Cybermen? <laughs> well, we also... The last bit that's really iconic is our first St. Paul's Cathedral and the Cybermen. And, it, and you know, this is literally the iconic because th- this is the one, this this is the shot that this has made that shot iconic. And it is, it is mm-hmm. iconic. You know, they are invading London. They've never been able to replicate it, just um, largely due to the part of uh, camera angles, but also that the the streetscape, the, the buildings around St. Paul's have changed so dramatically since 1968 that you can't replicate this shot anymore. And I said, you know, the Cybermen, they've got a great kind of quasi kind of skinhead booty look to them in, in, in the invasion, which, which just makes them, I mean, it, it, they look very London. I mean, I think, you know, <laughs> having already talked about 
how you know blow up i think is an influence of the invasion and when we are in the in the thick of swinging london i think the sidemen and the invasion are also they're you know they're it's like mods and rockers i mean they're like a they're like a gang actually mm-hmm. you know you know what they're like um what what they're reminding me of now that i'm thinking about it they're like um uh, they're like alex and his droogs from 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 a clockwork orange is what they're like <laughs> yeah um and i i would now i'm just making stuff up but i would be very surprised if stanley kubrick wasn't wasn't watching the invasion and thinking you know what after i finish making 2001 a space odyssey i'll make another movie that will have things that look a bit like the cybermen in it a little cyber ultraviolence a cyber ultraviolence exactly <laughs> Exactly. So, so you had mentioned earlier about the Tobias Vaughn cameo or uh, thing in uh, Original Sin. It was a nineteen ninety five. It's Original Sin, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Adventures book. Now, did, had you read that or? I have, yeah, and it's actually it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do need to know about the invasion to like get it, um, mm-hmm. because Tobias Vaughn is kind of revealed halfway through as the, the as the villain. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's very effective because you realize you know Tobias Vaughn has been alive now for literally thousands of years that um, he didn't die in the invasion he, he didn't die survived. in the invasion and you know, has, has basically has, has kept himself alive because he's basically half cyberman so mm-hmm. well worth picking up mm-hmm. original new adventures fans of which there are probably one or two still left <laughs> in the world <laughs> well this um, one was by andy lane and this came out uh let's see uh, 20 years ago 95 so that would have been uh 22 years ago wow Time 20, flies. <laughs> Twenty-two years ago. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, no, and it's got you know Chris Queege and it's got some Roz and Roz Forrester in it. Mm-hmm. Um, now the big finish have started adapting some of the key new adventures. They've just done. Um, no, actually, a- Andy Lane has done some big finish stuff. Now that I think of it, he, he did. Okay. He did a, a third Doctor story. Okay. Well, I think that they've just finished adapting Cold Fusion, which is one of my favorite. Uh, well, actually, Cold Fusion is a missing adventure mm-hmm. rather than a new adventure. Um, but I, I would love to have, um, I would love to ha- have an adaptation of Original Sin. I think that would be worth uh, worth listening to, especially since it would have Tobias Vaughn in it. Hooray! Mm-hmm. Well, do you... but not Packer. Packer. <laughs> Packer. 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 <laughs> Sorry. so why don't we talk just briefly about why the cybermen didn't appear with john pertwee why did they well i I, I, I we just had one cameo what it was carnival of monsters carnival of monsters i mean i think they appeared in some of the publicity shots Mm -hmm. um when you know he was still wearing a suit um i think with the with the yeti um, but yeah, no, just one, one very sad, not sad, but because they're Cybermen, but one, one very brief cameo in the, um, in that episode, which probably means there's still one of the Cybermen wandering around somewhere inside that miniscope. <laughs> they should try and deal with that. Pest control. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Why didn't the Cybermen come back? I don't know. Did, uh, Barry Lutz or not Terrence? Like well, actually, Terrence Dix hates the Cybermen. He does hate the Cybermen, doesn't he? So that's he? probably why. I mean, it's his show. I mean, if he doesn't <laughs> want to bring him back, he doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. And just jumping ahead, that's why they, they suffer so ingloriously in The Five Doctors, because Eric Sayward really wanted the Cybermen in him, and <laughs> Taron Stick says, all right, if you want the Cybermen in him, it's they're so going to be crap. <laughs> so Sayward writes them in, and Dix writes them out again, <laughs> just as quickly. Good old Terry. 
you know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I I guess I was going to say in a kind of facile way. Well, the third Doctor's character doesn't really match up with the Cybermen, but I mm-hmm. only say that because he never met the Cybermen. So, you know, what the hell do I know? Well, it makes sense though because we finish the Cybermen in the '60s with Troughton and the launch of Unit in the invasion. And yeah. what what story are you going to tell with the Cybermen with um, Earthbound Doctor? It's already been told with the invasion. Exactly, um, and I think when well, obviously when the Doctor gets his um, gets his memory restored after the three Doctors starts j- jetting off into space again, mm-hmm. that's only uh, a couple of seasons. And you know, I think you know they're they're so pleased to actually get him off the Earth again mm-hmm. um, and having some new adventures. And they also, of course, you know, bring back the Daleks. Exactly. So, yeah. Don't really need the Cybermen. Don't really need. Don't. And again, you know, I, mean, I think it was almost the Cybermen were kind of finished with the invasion. Right. Why bring them back? Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe the question is, which maybe we should you know park for next week, is why were they brought back for revenge, and why weren't they just kept dormant? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Well, we'll answer that question next week. We will answer that question next week. Because <laughs> um, let's let's just keep on for a second. I mean, would we have wanted the third Doctor to meet the Cybermen? Hmm. Um, he's got silver hair. Certainly not with. Liz Shaw because it would have been too close on the heels to the invasion yeah. and so with Joe Grant sexy half cyber eyes Joe Grant I could, <laughs> probably not <laughs> yeah I don't know about that um, as I said he's got silver hair the Cybermen also have silver hair um, I just don't think that Pertwee Doctor would work very well with the Cybermen no I mean one can imagine him sort of really standing up to them and like right. you know, giving them a good dressing down that would be a fun scene. But, you know, I mean, Cybermen, you know, apart from, I mean, they are like... Well, here, let me let, let me posit this for you. What if the Cybermen were the villains behind the um, war in the frontier in space rather than the Daleks? So you had uh, cyber-controlled Ogrons rather than uh, Dalek-controlled Ogrons. And then the big reveal would be a cyber army. It's the, cy- it's the cyber army. Would that have worked as well? Ooh, that's so difficult. Um, I, I, the Cybermen have never... I think the Cybermen have never been as cunning as the Daleks. I think it mm-hmm. worked well because the Daleks have this cunningness. They have, a, they have an emotion. I mean, the Daleks right. are deeply emotional creatures. I mean, the main strength of the Daleks is not their, you know, it's not their logic or their scientific genius, which, of course, is great, but mm-hmm. they are very, very highly emotional. Um, and what's interesting, of course, is that even though, of course, you know, it's difficult to write a creature that has no emotion, so they have problems in writing the Cybermen. You know, mm-hmm. the, the big advantage of the Cybermen, apparently, they have over everyone else, is that they is that they are completely logical, which is actually pretty hard to write. Oh, almost impossible to write because uh, mm-hmm. it sort of doesn't make sense. Actually. That's probably why their plans never make sense as well. It may have made cyber logic, but it certainly doesn't correspond to human logic. I mean, I think also, I mean, I think, you know, the Cybermen, um, I wouldn't have been as satisfied, actually, um, with, the, with the Cybermen turning up um, as the villains behind that. I don't think, I think I would, I always, I always prefer the Daleks. I mean, I like right. the Cybermen, um, but, you know, I, Daleks, just, just having Daleks around, it just makes me happy. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, anyway, I mean, would, would, would you have enjoyed the Cybermen turning up then? Or? Yeah, I don't think so. I think no, what I, yeah. I would have liked better is a better 
continuation with the frontier in space with the draconians and the daleks and kind of see a full-blown space opera type war rather than yeah a, a remount of uh the first dalek story yeah no i, th- I think i think you're right about that i mean as, as, as great as the planet of the daleks is it is so different from the six episodes that preceded that have it as as one story it just doesn't really make any sense um, mm-hmm. to me and of course you know as, as everyone knows we're, we're continually disappointed that the draconians have never really made a, an appearance again well um, i have a sneaking suspicion if they're going to return chibnall, chibnall. Will back yep. chibnall you are right chibnall is 100 percent going to bring back the draconians yep <laughs> yep i can i can see the chibnall chibnall he must love the draconians probably going to have sexy lady ones as well yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean i think if they haven't been if they're ah uh, is there a missing adventure where where the third doctor meets cybermen Mm, I can't remember. There may be. Um, so Big Finish did a a Cyberman story with, with the third Doctor with uh, Carolyn John reading. It was called The Blue Tooth. Oh, The Blue Tooth. Right. It's a companion chronicle. Um, right. Uh, I'm not sure. Who, oh, Nigel, Nigel Ferris, I think, was the author. And, of course, okay. Nick Briggs okay. did The Cyberman. Right. And let, let me guess, The Cyberman are exploiting Bluetooth technology to take over the world. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> or maybe, more interestingly, the Cybermen are infiltrating uh, European history by taking over Harold Bluetooth, <laughs> um, I think the ninth century king of Norway. Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Which, tri- for trivia fans, of course everyone knows this, that's why Bluetooth is called Bluetooth, because... Um, Harold Bluetooth united the Scandinavian kingdoms under one under one kingdom. He was the first king, to, first medieval Scandinavian king mm, to do that. that. And then, of course, Bluetooth Bluetooth technology kind of unites all your electronic gubbinses together under one under one signal, which is why. Well, it's interesting enough, uh, Liz doesn't like dentists. Is uh, the big uh, thing that's found out in the Bluetooth. Wow. Maybe, maybe what we discover is that another one of the side, one of the one of the Cybermen's weaknesses is dentists. <laughs> <laughs> they have a deep fear well, of it's, dental it's amalgam. It's because they use gold for the filling. Gold teeth. Oh my God! That's that's how we defeat them by biting them with our 1960s style ah, gold there teeth. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's enough. That's enough cyber nonsense. Um, All right. Where are we? Uh, uh, Close us out. You've been listening to episode 27 of the Metabilis 2 Experience. I've been David. And I have been Ben. And thanks for listening. And we have both been excellent this evening. Thanks for listening. All right.
Thank you for listening to the Metabilis 2 podcast. You can reach us with email at metabilis2, that's a number two, at gmail.com or on Twitter at metabilis2. And again, that's a number two. Hope to hear from you. Bye.